Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Did you like how I introduced myself with like, it was a question as if that's me? I like it. Yeah. Okay. We're really mixing up this intro lately. <laughs> Especially you. You're, you're Especially venturing. Me. I'm having a time. Mm-hmm. It's just the bigger question of who am I? Mm-hmm. I understand. Well, that kind of relates to my question, which is a two-parter. I was going to ask this part second, but it, this is too good to lead in. Do you have like, oh man, this is a deep one. What if I came to you and I was like, look, I've killed some people. <laughs> okay. What would you do? I would ask questions. Mm-hmm. And many of them being like, did they deserve it? <laughs> uh-huh. Or what did they do to you? Mm-hmm. Are mm-hmm. you going to kill me? Ah, uh, yeah. And, and also, have you done better for the world? Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the logical next step. I do think, again, we've been reading this book, Ace, by Angela Chen, and I have not seen Grey's Anatomy. I promise this relates. I know it doesn't sound like it does. But the, where they're talking about who's your person, who's the person who would like hide the body with you. I think that it would be very difficult if someone you cared about and you had no inkling that this was a thing came to you with this. Also, this is, I promise, not some weird exercise. I have not killed anyone. I know. I'm starting to worry. Don't, don't worry, Samantha. <laughs> Sometimes I spring questions on you uh, that I know <laughs> could lead to further questions. <laughs> yeah. I, I promise that's not what this is about. I was just curious. But also, I feel like in a lot of our culture, there's this overarching idea that darker is better. That that means it's more adult and more realistic and therefore it has more value. How do you feel about that idea? So to take it seriously, it needs to be dark or sinister. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like you see it a lot in, if you take our big like comic book movies or even Harry Potter where they're like, oh, the third one's so much darker. Or in Batman where it's like, oh, Christopher Nolan came in, it's so much darker and therefore it's better because I feel like the understanding is it's more realistic and that means that it's better. I think it's according to what you're talking about. It's a comparison to me. The darker, the more likely the hero. So the contrast is needed. Mm -hmm. That to me is that level. So Mm -hmm. you need someone who needs that darkness so that they can come out of it. But they're also unattainable. Mm -hmm. So without really sad origins, you couldn't be that. So if you have a normal life, then, then you can't be that. But if you've had a horrible life, that gives you hope. Right. I feel like there's space for both. Um, because I, I do think that movies where Disney has to kill off everyone in order to like have an origin sure. story is stupid. <laughs> I actually have a lot of thoughts on that. And it's, I find it really <laughs> fascinating story structure, but it's basically like, how do you keep a child's attention for an hour and 30 minutes? Oh, it has to be fast and a lot of drama. <laughs> so uh, different, different episode. But yeah, I feel like, I don't think it necessarily means better. I do get like more realistic. And I think that is a form of entertainment. 
that is really good and I've enjoyed. But I don't think that means necessarily like, oh, this is more valuable because of that. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to read Batman and Superman comics and I preferred Superman. And people would be like, he is too happy-go-lucky. He is not realistic. And I'm like, what about these (laughs) comics? (laughs) Get out of here. But people just were like, Batman is better because he's, he's messed up and he's more realistic and all this stuff. And I get that criticism, but I don't think that equates to like this is a more Oscar-worthy movie or a more like award-winning movie. And I've been thinking about that a lot when it comes to what gets recognized and what gets awarded and who is doing the recognizing, awarding, and making of those things. So that's just been something on my mind. And I feel like we've seen that if you, if we're, we're entering into our, you know, fall horror segments and... We're bringing back some classics that we've done that fit into that category. And I was kind of thinking about that with the movie Joker, where I feel like everyone was, oh, this is so realistic and so dark and therefore worthy. Okay, first of all, all, if that's realistic, I want to stay away from whoever that dude is. Right? Why? I don't want that to be realistic. I want this to be a satire. Please, for the love of Jesus. Right? Yeah, which is perhaps a bigger conversation. I I just feel like a lot of times that does happen where these kind of, especially like dark masculine stories are more lauded and they're seen as this is, this is the best and we must put it on a pedestal and reward it. All that to say, we are bringing back our classics on women who were serial killers and our fascination with them and what that says about people and this kind of darkness that we're fascinated with. So we hope that you enjoy. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Today, we bring you our part two, our unexpected part two. Unexpected part two. Of our female serial killer episode. Um, I think this is the most research I have done on an episode in a very long time. Because as I said in our part one, which you should check out if you haven't heard it yet before you listen to this one, um, I knew like people were fascinated with serial killers. Right. I had no idea I was going to have to sort through so much there's, information. There's so much legend when it comes to yeah. something this big and this awful. Yeah. Like there's this whole overall tone of, oh my gosh, how did we not know type of thing? And could they be right there? And also there's kind of that whole bit of like, huh, so this is what happens when things go wrong. Yeah, and I'm curious about um, why I would love to come back and and see if there's any research on, is it, like morbid curiosity, does it go back to that thing we talked about when you're watching um, a slasher movie or something where there's a part of you that thinks I can learn from this right. and not that won't happen to me? Or is right. it some kind of fascination with death because we're all afraid of death ultimately, I guess? Of course. Um, or is it it's probably a combination of a bunch of things? Um, but we're literally researching like up to recording. So that's how it became a part two. And our our first part was about kind of older serial right. killers. Historical 
ladies. Yes. Um, and this one is more recent stuff. And um, the trigger warning, of course, violent sexual assault, necrophilia, general grisliness. And I would also like to restate what we said in the last one. Just remember, um, and we're trying to be respectful as well, but like these are real people. Some of them are still alive, um, right. especially in this one. Um, a lot of these are more recent and ongoing in some cases. So just remember, right. these are real people. Yeah, and I, I, you and I had also talked about, I would love to dig into what happens to the families of uh, not only the suspects and the actual killers and what what the aftermath is for those families as well as fascination of, like, what's the aftermath? How do you move on? Because it is. For me, a lot of this, again, as I said earlier in the first episode, first part of this, um, I'm really fascinated about how this becomes or how this happens. And it's more of that kind of underlying mm-hmm. bit that really fascinates me, mm-hmm. per se, of, like, how did we get to this point or how did they get to this point? Yeah. And um, there's a lot of... So many things. A lot of research out there about that, even though sometimes I'm kind of shocked at how there's certain things I assume we've figured out and we haven't. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised that there's a lot of stuff about humanity and serial killers being one of them that we haven't necessarily figured out. Right. But um, there's a lot of ongoing research. And and for some of these... um, I understand now why there's an entire podcast where every right. episode is devoted to one person because for some of them, there were, um, like, I know one example we're going to talk about, um, she had electroshock therapy, and there was some speculation that things like that maybe right. play a role. Um, so. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Um, And we're going to start out with Lavinia Fisher, um, and she often gets the dubious title of first female serial killer in the United States. You'd be surprised at how many women get that title. Right. Um, And we're going to actually talk about that a little bit more with one of our probably most famous examples in a little bit. Um, So she and her husband ran a hotel called the Six Mile Wayfarer House. Lavinia would ask guests to dinner where she would then question them to ascertain... If they were rich, uh, rumors abound about how the couple killed their victims. Uh, again, people really like to sensationalize these things. So there's all kinds of details you can find. One is um, maybe she was poisoning tea. That seems like maybe that's true. Uh, Lavinia crushing her their heads between her thighs, which I think is not true. <laughs> I think that's just a fantastic idea. Not, not that I would do that. Oh, not that I would do that. Uh, I'm just saying, I've got thick thighs, so I've always thought, like, I wonder, could I do that? Oh, well, <laughs> I hope we never have to find out. Um, it wasn't until a traveler by the name of John Peoples arrived at the hotel, only be told there were no vacancies, but Lavinia was like, you can have dinner with me, though. And he accepted. After the meal was over, she suddenly had a room available. Suspicious, Peoples decided against sleeping in the bed instead opting for a chair to fall asleep in the chair. He was awoken in the middle of the night when the bed dropped into a pit. Wow. I know. I mean, you've got to respect the... The whole trap. I know. Jeez. Uh, he jumped out of the window and immediately alerted the authorities. And this led up to the Fisher's capture. They were both executed. 
The story goes that Lavinia asked to wear her wedding dress the day of the execution and went kicking and screaming. She jumped off the scaffold herself, but not before saying, if you have a message you want to send to hell, give it to me. I'll carry it. Uh, she became somewhat of a ghost story in Charleston after the 1886 earthquake. People reported seeing her her ghost wandering around. Of course. And so, it's Charleston, too. So I know. People from Charleston, if there is any local lore about this, we would love to hear it. Okay. And, and that goes for, like, every ghost we're talking about. Of course. Well, not ghosts, but <laughs> serial killer. <laughs> I'm going to go with ghosts. Is that because I was thinking of, like, like All I the said, ghost tours. Yeah. Yeah, ghost tours. And also for me, like I said in part one, I'm the ones I'm familiar with, most of them, it's because they have been a ghost in some kind of supernatural X-Files <laughs> thing that I've watched. <laughs> so to me, they are ghosts. Right. But they're actually real people they're just right. killers. it's oh just gosh. you wonder if they if you believe in ghosts are they now ghosts you know mm-hmm. so in 1931 a nurse out of boston named jane topin murdered dozens of people by manipulating hospital records she was able to experiment on patients with morphine and atropine as they died she would hold their hands and fondled them after her capture she admitted killing aroused her which is really rare for a female killer just right. to put that out there topin nicknamed Jolly Jane, was found insane and because of that, not guilty. She reportedly said it was her desire to have killed more people, helpless people, that is, than any other man or woman who ever lived. Yeah, that's a quote. And there are two good examples of the thing we talked about in our previous episode when it comes to the, the differences, primary differences between male and female serial killers, one being... Yes, female serial killers normally don't have a sexual motivation. Right. Um, but she reportedly did. She was one. And then also the nickname that the media gave her, Jolly Jane, that's another example of like male serial killers generally get a nickname that is indicative of how violent or brutal they right. are. Whereas female serial killers get these nicknames that are still gendered. Right. Right. Um, okay. In the first half of the 20th century in Oklahoma, a black woman named Nanny Doss married and killed four men along with her mother-in-law, her sisters, two of her sister's children, her grandson, and her own mother. She was only caught after her fifth husband's autopsy revealed arsenic as the likely cause of death. She died in prison in 1965. And history knows her by many names. The Giggling Granny, Black Widow, Lady Bluebeard, and the Lonely Hearts Killer. She mm-hmm. grew up reading Lonely Hearts columns, and that's how she found a majority of her husbands are, you know, would-be victims right. is by posting in the Lonely Hearts or right. perusing the Lonely Hearts column. It's interesting to see how many of the um, of the female serial killers are called Black Widows. Yeah, and that's something we're planning on yes. digging into more in a future episode. Italian soapmaker Leonardo Cinciulli, who is um, also known as the soapmaker of Correggio, killed three women, um, serving them drugged wine and then killing them with an axe. Uh, And then she used her flesh to make tea cakes, which she then fed to her family and friends and some other people as well. Um, And this was after she had boiled them in caustic soda. She was fascinated by things like palm reading, tarot cards, and fortune telling. And a fortune teller had informed her the only way she could save her children from dying from an untimely death was through human sacrifice. Right. And so her this these murders took place between 1939 to 1941 after her son Giuseppe was drafted into the Italian army. She believed that human sacrifice would protect him in battle. Right. An entry from her diary reads, 
She ended up in the pot like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne, and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable, creamy soap. I gave the bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. In 1940s Japan, Miyuki Ishikawa helped kill an estimated 103 infants. A midwife, she believed that the children of the poor people didn't have a chance, and she was sparing them a lifetime of pain. So just remember, um, abortion wasn't legal during this time in Japan. So she actually blamed the parents for deserting their children and ended up only getting a four-year sentence. Yeah, she she's one of the cases where I think she truly believed... That she was helping. That exactly. she was helping, and the parents... Like, I don't think that was her trying to turn the blame around in any way. She truly did blame them yeah. for deserting the children. Then we have Myra Henley, who, along with her lover raped and murdered five young children in the UK from 1963 to 1965 in what are called the Moore's Murders. One of these murders they recorded. Um, Myra put forth a lot of testimony that she was coerced and threatened into these acts. Um, When her brother-in-law witnessed the couple murdering a young child, he turned them in and they were captured. She died in jail in 2002 and was sometimes known as the most evil woman in Britain. And then there's another angel of death during the 1970s and 80s named Janine Jones. She was a nurse in Texas they believed to have poisoned upwards of 60 infants during her stint working at the hospital. Her shift was called the death shift. Children were more than 10 times likelier to die during her shift than any other time in the ICE where she worked. During her confession, she reportedly said, I really did kill those babies. Despite receiving a very long sentence, she was set to be released in 2008 due to the mandatory release law in Texas, which has now been repealed. But prosecutors brought further charges against her in 2017. The serial killer actually inspired the character of Annie Walks from the Stephen King misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I have not seen or read. I know the one thing that everyone probably knows about right, it. <laughs> right, which has been parodied in so many things. Yeah. But yeah, I actually saw it. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's a slow burn, as you would say. Is it? Yeah. It's Kathy Bates, right? It is. This is why she's come up on so our... Wonderful Kathy Bates. ...serial killer episode, because she played Madame LaLaurie in mm-hmm. American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some more on our list for you listeners, but first we have a quick break forward from our sponsor. back. Thank you, sponsor. And um, I was just about to tell Samantha as we go through this list, at least one book has been written about every person on this list. Um, And several have been written about this next entry, um, The Sunset Strip Killers. So, um, yeah, and I I don't know that we had too many that were like partners in our part one. No, like male-female partners. So we got a few more of those on here, which are also pretty rare. Um, So after an abusive childhood and several abusive relationships, Carol Bundy, no relation to Ted Bundy, who I think did marry a woman named Carol who survived. And I got very confused researching this. Right. That's a lot of information for sure. Oh, my gosh. Um, And a lot of coincidences. (laughs) uh, A lot of confusing coincidences for research purposes. Anyway, um, Carol Bundy met and began a relationship with Doug Clark. Clark soon shared his sexual fantasies with Bundy, who permitted him to bring prostitutes into their apartment for threesomes. 
But then Clark admitted he had a disturbing attraction to an 11-year-old neighbor. Bundy was able to coerce the girl into coming to the apartment for a pornographic photo shoot. And this horrifying situation escalated when Clark confided in Bundy that he wanted to kill a woman during sex. After buying two pistols, the pair committed their first murder in 1980 in Los Angeles. Um, Their victims were usually young sex workers or runaways, and Clark raped their dead bodies before they got rid of them. In one instance, Clark decapitated one of their victims. Bundy put makeup on the severed head, and Clark used it for oral sex and kept it in their freezer for a few days before they disposed of it. And we were just talking about the scene from High Tension. Was yeah, it? right. That, I was, and I could, I couldn't get past that scene almost. I yeah. think I watched like ten more minutes. I'm like, I, I just know everything yeah. about this is so disturbing. I didn't know because I've seen High Tension, but I didn't know about this. So right. I was wondering if it was kind of like you start seeing a lot of influences from real life situations for sure Ugh. in the whole um, genre of TV and entertainment, which is really disturbing. I guess no, it really is disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is disturbing. Um, Okay, and then Bundy confessed what was going on to an ex-lover of hers before she panicked after he rightfully said, you've got to go to the police. Um, And she persuaded him to accompany her to her van so that they could have sex, but she instead shot and decapitated him. But she was kind of sloppy, left a lot of clues around, and eventually she confessed to her coworkers and then to the police. She said, quote, a situation that started out as a fantasy just got badly out of control. The two were caught and imprisoned. Clark was sentenced to death. Bundy died in prison in 2003. Judy Boinoano was executed in 1998 for the murder of her first husband, her past partner, and her son after a car explosion seriously injured her soon-to-be second husband. Judy had been spreading lies that her fiancé was terminally ill, even though he was totally healthy. Health officials confiscated the pills Judy had been giving him and discovered they were full of arsenic and formaldehyde. When the bodies of her previous husband and lover were exhumed, arsenic poisoning was found to be the cause of death. As for her son, in the events leading up to his death, he had mysteriously become a paraplegic and displayed other signs of arsenic poisoning. On the day of his death, Judy actually took him out on a canoe, which capsized, and his brace dragged him down, and he drowned at the age of 19. Before she was caught, she racked an estimated $240,000 on life insurance policies. The media dubbed her, again, the Black Widow. She was the first woman to be executed in Florida in over 150 years. Yep. Again, there's that Black Widow. Mm-hmm. In 1994 in England, Rosemary West and her husband Fred were arrested for sexually torturing, murdering, and dismembering at least 12 teenage girls, including their own daughter, who was Rosemary's stepdaughter, and um, the stepdaughter's mother, and one of Rosemary's biological daughters named Heather. When Heather went missing, Fred would joke with his children that if they didn't behave, they would end up under the patio like Heather. Um, and that's actually how they, they got caught. Um Emery West, one of the surviving stepdaughter of Rosemary, um, has said, People say I am lucky to have survived, but I wish I had died. I can still taste the fear, still feel the pain. It's like going back to being a child again. Um, the media dubbed Rosemary as the Monster of Cromwell and the West Home as the House of Horrors. The cellar was where they tortured, killed, and buried their victims. Once the cellar became too crowded, bodies were buried under the back patio. One of the bodies was found wrapped in duct tape with a straw poking out from the nostril. Many had been decapitated or dismembered. One had been scalped. An inquiry revealed 31 
occasions that the West children had been hospitalized for injuries or illnesses, including an STD. This is one of the ones where I read it and I was so surprised that they did not get caught earlier. Right. They were clearly abusing their children. Um, child services was called on them several times. Um, Fred killed himself in prison, writing on the wall, Freddie, the mass murderer from Gloucester. Rosemary is serving a life sentence where she apparently gets fan mail and marriage proposals. Right. Uh, that is something I want to come back to because that is hugely disturbing to me. I didn't actually know that happened to female serial killers. I knew that happened a lot yeah. with male serial killers uh-huh. and their whole fan base. Yeah. But I didn't realize this actually happened with a female. That's an interesting flip. Yeah. An interesting and disturbing one. Yes. <laughs> In 2018, one of her daughters claimed that there may be up to 30 more victims that authorities don't know about. Wow. Yeah. So in, there's also a Canadian woman, Carla Humolka, who started her killing career with an attempt to impress her boyfriend by allowing him to rape her 15-year-old sister who died after choking on her own vomit. The, they had actually drugged her. Apparently, Paul, her husband, was annoyed Carla wasn't a virgin when they met and demanded she bring him a virgin. Carla offered up her own sister. They videotaped themselves torturing and raping their victims before they killed them. The video was too disturbing to play in the court, but the audio was allowed. They were known as the Ken and Barbie killers. When Carla realized that their reign of terror was coming to an end, she was able to fairly successfully paint herself as the victim in this whole thing to officials. She turned on Paul, who physically abused her and who was also known as the Scarborough Rapist, and had raped or attempted to rape at least 19 women. She got a plea deal from the prosecutors, which was uh, 12 years for cooperation, which later became known as the deal with the devil. And when the tapes clearly indicated, Carla was a willing accomplice when they played the tape in court. And from a letter she wrote to herself, be a perfect girlfriend for Paul. Remember you're stupid. Remember you're ugly. Remember you're fat. Save yourselves. Kill them all. Uh, She was released in 2005 after only 12 years in prison and recently caused a huge commotion when she volunteered with the elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Then we have what I would argue is probably the one of the biggest ones on this list or the most well-known. Right. And I think a lot of these, just the precursor, there's a lot of either movies or TV series or something that has been based on all of these things. And this is, of course, the Oscar winner of them all. And also merchandise. Yes. There's merchandise. So, yes, we're talking about Eileen Wernos. From 1989 to 1991, a prostitute by the name of Eileen Wernos, also known as the Damsel of Death, killed seven male clients along highways in north and central Florida. Police were able to trace items belonging to two of the victims to a pawn shop near Daytona Beach. That's a very big nutshell of what happened, but essentially, um, and connected the aliases used to pawn the items to Wernos. According to Wernos, she killed in self-defense, a claim that she later recanted. Um, And her first victim was jailed for 10 years for sexual assault. She made a lot of headlines because she broke the mold of most female serial killers, using a gun instead of something like poison, killing outside her home, killing strangers. Um, Some stories reported that she killed like a man. Hmm. Um, And there was even an opera about America's first female serial killer, um, as she sometimes was mistakenly called. Right. Um, she was perhaps the first to fit the FBI's profile of a male, I mean, a serial killer, which was almost always, you know, male serial no, killer, right. but she was certainly not America's first female serial killer. Wernus told Florida Supreme Court 
I'm one who seriously hates human life and would kill again. She was adopted by a born-again Christian after her arrest, um, and she was executed in 2002. The award-winning movie Monster with Charlize Theron was about her. Right, and then there's actually a documentary for her on Netflix, and it's it's fascinating to me, not necessarily because, you know, we want to watch murderers, essentially, or serial killers, but just her behavior alone yeah. It was just very indicative of her mindset. And mm-hmm. it was kind of like, wow. Yeah, when I was reading, um, you know, dry court documents, just what happened today in court and the things she said, mm-hmm. very, very shocking <laughs> and abrasive <laughs> and um, crass. I have not seen the movie. Um I remember all of the talk about how Charlize Theron, like, totally changed her look. Right. Um, we do have some more, even more female serial killers for you. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. All right, so we're going to come back with Dorothea Puente, or Death House Landlady, which in the 80s, she killed elderly and mentally disabled tenants at her California boarding house in order to cash in on their social security checks. This was after being arrested for drugging an elderly man and stealing his pension. She read the mail of her tenants and kept most of the money for, quote-unquote, rent, and doling out the rest as a sort of a stipend. Anyone who complained was killed and buried in her backyard. And it wasn't until a developmentally disabled and mentally ill man was reported missing from his caseworker that police searched the building and found the bodies in the backyard. The house was called, among other things, the graveyard on F Street. Dorothea managed to escape to L.A. before someone recognized her and turned her in four days later. At the time, the authorities didn't label her a serial killer because in their minds, that wasn't a thing women did. Before her capture, she was highly regarded for her charity work and her willingness to take in the homeless and substance abusers. She even had a picture of her dancing with one of the governors of California, which I'm sure he adored. Mm -hmm. Uh, She died in prison in 2011, and then prosecutors called her one of the most cold and calculating female killers in the country they had ever seen. Yeah. um, And we were talking about this before we started because I was surprised at how much there was about her, but it must be... So they found the one body in her backyard, right? and she was kind of like... I don't know, maybe, because it, it used to be kind of common practice to bury people in your backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and she asked if she could go get coffee or something, and they were like, yeah. And, and then they found, like, so many more bodies, and they had just let her go. Which is fascinating, again, and also very, very telling about how they didn't, a woman wouldn't do this. Yeah, no they way. said, like, the little old lady. We, right. we didn't think about it. Right. And um, she, I think because she got away, and there was, like, four or five days of just panic. Right. Um, I think that's why, one of the reasons why there's so much written about her, because there is. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories. I don't know if they're conspiracy theories, but people think that she has a, she had to have had an accomplice because she was a little old lady. So how is she dragging these bodies and then right. burying them? Um, and there's even uh, somebody that a lot of people think that it is uh, who used to work around there and then disappeared. Um, She also asked her handyman for a box that was like a coffin. She gave the, (laughs) the, and she was like, it's for books and things. You know, I want to put all of my books in this very long, weird little casket. It's all fine. She had him drive it 
to like down the highway and she was like, let's just throw it in the ocean, you know, whatever. And he never did a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I just found that that was so. That, there's a lot because of the assumption. Yeah, yeah. Of women in general or the perceived, there's no way of blah, blah, blah. Right. I also wanted to add in here, um, she never admitted to guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also released a cookbook right. in 2005 called Cooking with a Serial Killer. Um, I've read some of the reviews on Amazon. They said things like, simple but pretty good. <laughs> she was well known for her tamales. Right. Um, and there's a documentary about the house and its new owners called The House is Innocent. And it focuses on how the new owners have tried to turn something so macabre into a positive thing. So they donate, like, I think you can do tours there, and they donate um, to funds for the homeless. Right. Again, another place for our list. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I keep agreeing (laughs) and then realizing what I'm agreeing to. (laughs) I need to pause and think. In 1993, Britain's angel of death, Beverly Allett, was charged of using high doses of insulin or potassium or even just an air bubble into the bloodstream to kill four children and attempted to kill 11 more in the span of two months. Mm. One of her victims had an entire adult dosage of insulin in his system, resulting in one of the highest levels ever found in a human. She was diagnosed with Munchausen syndrome, but ruled mentally fit enough to stand trial. She is serving 13 sentences with a minimum of 30 years at a security, uh, like a secure hospital. That is the source of a lot of controversy. Mm-hmm. Controversy. Um, the maternity ward she worked in shut down because... Nobody wanted to take their children there. Um, Last year, a GoFundMe page was set up for her while she was battling sepsis, and it also caused quite a big controversy, and uh, GoFundMe removed it. Um, It's interesting to see what happens in this day and age when someone like that is being seen as idolized or needing help or whatever, I guess you would say, and then doing that. So that's kind of like almost a different form of trying to propose to someone yeah. They're like, oh, she's sick. I'm going to help her. And everybody's like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I was recently, it might be this very week that this episode comes out, I was on over on Movie Crush with Chuck, um, that podcast, and we were talking about slashers. And I, everyone, it was kind of a, there were four of us, and uh, I think I'm a bit younger. I'm like from a different generation than everyone else on the panel. And so they had a different experience than I did because I kind of entered with Scream and newer ones. And so going back and watching the older ones are sometimes difficult for me because our technology has changed so much. much, Yeah. Yeah. And and in some ways that can be scarier, but sometimes you're like, well, I'll just call someone. Um, (laughs) But I was thinking about Scream 2 and how the movies made about her life in that movie, which is so meta, but she gets, like, calls on the day the movie comes out where they're pretending to be the serial killer. Or, like, right. Um, and that's just sort of a weird aspect to this whole thing of people who it's, like, entertainment for them and that the whole thing, the whole point of Scream 2 is at the end, one of the, spoiler alert, one of the killers is, like, it's all entertainment, like, Right. I'm going to blame the movies. Um, yeah. So it is interesting to see how technology now, I mean, interesting and... Mm. More disturbing. <laughs> Even Interesting and disturbing is how we've described almost everything, um, how technology is playing right. with serial killers right. now. And killer because now they can meet online. Well, also, because 
it also changes things because of the technology. There are um, it's harder to yes. get away with it, and there's more um, evidence to be found that wouldn't have been found a long time ago. Yeah. So it's kind of it's not necessarily balancing it out, but yeah. it's kind of a whole switch up to what is happening in this day and age, which is a good thing. Yeah, but also correctly, we also have the social media. Um, where can be stages and setups, much like the one who was using her uh, Lonely Heart stuff, right? you know, and trying to get her victims. Sure. But this is a lot more easy access and a lot more for those who may be actually really good with technology, ways of stalking and causing different types of right. fear factor level with what's going on in the world today. Right. You know. Well, and that's why for a lot of the ones we talked about in our part one, the estimates were like, they might have killed 60 or 700. Right. Because, yeah, uh, it was easier to get away with it for longer back then. But um, if if you've noticed, a lot of the people we've talked about have been in fields where they were caregivers. Right. Um, and that is one way that women are, even in our modern times, able to get away with being with killing people for longer because one you're a woman and they don't expect you to do anything horrendous that that awful and two if you're in a caregiving field it gives you a whole nother layer but this next one is a good example of like how people feel like there's no way because you're kind of if you're in a caregiving field especially in a hospital there's people do die right at hospitals. Right. So you can use that. Uh, some serial killers on here have used that to their advantage, including Kristen Gilbert, because she murdered four patients at a Massachusetts Veteran Affairs Medical Center with epinephrine and attempted homicide on three others. She was caught in 2001. Um, she had been married with kids, but then she had an affair with a hospital security guard and her marriage dissolved and her husband left with the children, but not before she most likely attempted to murder him via injection because I can't remember why, but he, he was at the hospital and she was like, I'll just give you this and you'll feel better. And he said it like pain and tingling and he immediately felt a great sense of unease um, being around her. Mm-hmm. Um and she was jokingly called the angel of death even before she was caught because of how many people died on her shift. Right. Um, once it came out that she was murdering people, experts estimate that she was on duty for half of the 350 deaths that occurred during her tenure at the hospital. So half of the time she was there. Um, one war veteran refused injection while she worked there because, quote, people are dying around here for no reason. The patients are talking about it. The staff is talking about it. The staff is talking to the patients about it. Gilbert confessed to her boyfriend, the security guard we right. mentioned earlier, uh, that she, quote, did it, killed all those guys by injection. Um, and he told the authorities in a panic, she called in a bomb threat at the hospital in response, and the hospital was evacuated. The calls were traced to her, and she was sentenced to 15 months in prison for faking a bomb threat. Meanwhile, um, the authorities were investigating all these deaths, right. and they were getting more and more details about the murders. It became clear that she had committed, and her the murder trials soon began. Prosecutors argued her motive was to try to impress her boyfriend, um, who they would call in in emergency situations, like a code right. or something. Um, she received four life sentences. In the early 2000s, professional Mexican wrestler Juana Barraza earned the nickname the Little Old Lady Killer or 
Mata Vietas for her murder for at least 11 women and probably more. Originally, the investigators had thought the murders were being committed by a man dressed as a woman, but she was actually caught after someone witnessed her leaving a victim's home. Reports indicate that Barraza's mother actually sold her to a man around the age of 12 um, for a very little amount of money and beer, and that her resentment for her mother was her actual motive for killing these women. And according to the reports, Juana admitted to only one of the murders, and she said she did it because she was angry. Mm -hmm. In the reports, it was later said that the victims had been beaten, strangled, and robbed. Um, She was sentenced to 759 years in Mexican prison. That's, I mean, the fact that the police thought that the murders were being committed by a man dressed as a woman is pretty telling. That's how... Right. They never believed it until they had that witness. Yeah. Wow. Um, Well, that brings us to the end of this two-part look on female serial killers. Yeah, I need to go, like, have a drink and sit in the sun and (laughs) not think about this for a minute. Right. I feel like... I just hope we're not missing someone that's really recent, but I didn't, nothing came up. Um, I think there's, because, you know, there's also the variation of the fact that women snap or emotional and yeah. jealous, and so therefore that's a lot of the cause of killing, but they're not serial killers necessarily. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of a little different on right. that level. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, just looking back, especially of the recent histories, you start understanding if they just find past histories of these women. It all had... It seemingly all had something to do with um, trying to save someone or trying to be seen as someone that was, like, saintly and saving people. Yeah. Trying to protect someone, try to get someone to like them mm-hmm. or try to get money yeah. or because of the, like, horrendous past trauma yeah. of whatever have happened. Um, and it's really fascinating because this could all be said for any of the serial killers of the past trauma, but... Again, you see some of the talking about sexual motives that are pretty much lacking in a majority of these women. Is a lot of like whether it's perceived protection or perceived of how they are being seen, which is an interesting tell, I think. Yeah, and um, we didn't really go into the past of these women, right? Which was often very traumatic, um, and as we said, I completely understand now as someone who does not consume true crime why like every person on this list could be in a whole episode right and if there's anyone that you really stood out to you that you want to know more about let us know um because i was reading there's so much out there and just the the past that a lot of these women had uh was equally disturbing right um (laughs) And I was thinking, because what I have, I do know about slashers. And, uh, yeah, I could only think of, um, off the top of my head, two female serial killers that came to my mind, which uh, we mentioned in our right. Female Monsters episode. Right, and I was going to say, if a lot, you and I talked about, again, about the mothers and, and like, who are the ghosts or those who right. killed um, any, anyone mm-hmm. or became a ghost or afterwards had a lot of that same kind of idea yeah. Behind that as well. Right. That we just talked about with all of the, whether it's to protect someone, whether it's to right. show someone something, you know, it's an right. interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the two fictional female serial killers I am thinking of, they both were killing in revenge for their son. Right. Um, so we hope that, that you've learned about histories 
That's fascinating history. Of female serial killers. And if we left anyone out or if there is someone you want us to expound on, if you live in a place where there are legends about this person or you have some sort of, I hope not, but if you have some sort of serial killer experience, um, you can write to us. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffmonevertoldyou. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.